Like, it sounds like you're being, like, it sounds like you're in Captain Power and you're being digitized. And then you turn into pixels and fade out. <laughs> and then you come back as a Sauron and we shoot at your chest furiously at the screen. How, how did you become a Sauron? Well, I was using Zencaster. Oh, me too, man. Okay. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Geeks with Kids, our weekly conversational podcast about all things parenty and geeky. I'm your host, Aaron, and with us again is our regular host, Spears. And to our virtual side, our returning co-hosts, Marty. Marty is here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should call you a Lando because you I think you're past the Lando threshold now. Aw. Thanks. I think I think our conversation with James that times had really broken the meaning of the word Lando. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it shouldn't be retired. I feel like we I, need a different like hierarchical system of guest stars. Hmm. Maybe something a little bit maybe Star Trekky. Like <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna start calling them red shirts because then that guarantees they're not coming back. But um I don't know. Hmm. Well, this, I'll ponder this as we as we go through our epics and uh, topics and uh, things to talk about uh, tonight. So, so yeah, how you guys? I guess doing? the problem with having a hierarchical naming system is it implies that we're on the top and we have some sort of knowledge or ability. <laughs> I feel like I'm setting expectations. You, some reason how you became at the top that mm. Uh, mm. separates you from the peons. Below. We call them that would be maybe? a USB mic and seven confused listeners. <laughs> Man, I feel I feel bad. I hope I hope at least like Eric and um, we talked last week about doing a non-official fan expo hangout mm. at fan expo, which I think has been over for about five hours now. So if anything happened, I think it was just Eric and Stu like pounding beers. <laughs> But I don't know if that happened. But I'm dreaming of it. Um, I only got like bits and pieces of your last conversation, and then it would like go dead air, and all I would hear is Marty laughing at something funny that you said. Then you're listening to the wrong conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Let, Somehow um, it all comes together in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does it? <laughs> How do we bring this together? How it's a mystery. <laughs> Thanks, Marty. <laughs> uh, Tom Stoppard quotes, What could be more geekily entertaining than three men quoting Shakespeare in love to each other? Ah, I love that movie. I went to see the play at uh, Stratford this summer. Hey, yeah, how was it? It was okay. I'm a, I am really like the movie. Like, I really... It's one of my all-time favorites. Um, and the play didn't... Uh, I didn't love the play like I love the movie. Um, there was some really weird scene transitions that were odd for me uh, to watch. And there was um, some, yeah, mostly scene transitions. Like when they were, when people were um, acting the Romeo and Juliet, we kind of saw it from the backstage area and they were kind of hiding. And it was just, I don't know, there was some weird parts. But overall, I, I was glad I went. I was happy to that I saw it, but it didn't, wasn't better than the movie, that's for sure. Right. No Ben Affleck. Gotcha. And you know what? As much as everybody makes fun of Ben Affleck, I think he's hilarious in that movie. 
He was really good. He was really funny. Though Jeffrey Rush steals it. Jeffrey Rush Absolutely. steals every scene he's in. <laughs> yes. And that quote that we were just talking about the, uh, the the how does it all come together? It's a mystery. It's a, it's a magic when you're when you do anything in the theater. You have to have that at the ready, especially yep. with teenagers. <sighs> Who don't, under, who don't understand two weeks out from a play how it can look this terrible and still be awesome on opening night. Uh, <laughs> that quote comes in handy <laughs> to make them feel cool. better. All right, on. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's kind of true, actually. I just um clo- just finished up my summer job um, directing some kids' shows. And, um, you know, it was like dress rehearsal was sloppy and riddled with mistakes and... Whoever the idiot Spears running the uh, soundboard, <laughs> whatever he was doing, it was just danger bay. But um, but no, and it it all kind of comes together in the end somehow. Usually, usually, you know, there sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, my brother-in-law Greg um directed me to this one NPR podcast, um, called Fiasco. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can't remember which podcast it was on. I'll post a link or something. But it's a like an in-depth dissection of a play that the person being interviewed was in. It was like a, a college play, like in New York. This really like tripped-out version of Peter Pan. <laughs> um, and it's it's just like documenting where things went wrong, and they talk about the point where like. You know, when something goes wrong at first, like, I think in this play, like, whoever was playing Wendy, their um, harness operator, like, messed up, and she kind of, like, swung into a dresser <laughs> or something. Uh, this, um, this American Life, I think it was an episode of. Yes! Yes, that that was it. I think that was it. Um, and the audience at that point, they're still, like, on side with the actors. You know, they're like, oh, you made a mistake, but we want you to, like, pull through and for this to be a good show. But then there's a point where there's too many mistakes. Yeah. Or the type of mistake turns the audience against the actor. They do a really good job of, like, of dissecting it, so. Nice. I don't know. I guess. I I so, guess Jeffrey Rush's interpretation is a little optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a fear of that on closing night with teenagers because they all want to be the one with the best joke, but uh, for the best mess up of somebody else or some some prank to play on closing night, and uh, and thankfully nothing horrendous has ever happened. But it's uh, last year there was about five references. Some somebody my very first year teaching one of the kids came up with the slogan of party at Marty's and uh it has that slogan has seeped its way into every production, every uh fall musical closing night, I think since two thousand nine. And last year it kinda got oh, got overdone. Like the audience was like, Oh again. But uh, uh but like, the okay, kids still think it's it. funny somehow, so <laughs> It's your Jay and Silent Bob. It kind of is. It's the party at Marty's that shows up on every closing night of the not not for Sears, thankfully. They take that a little more seriously. <laughs> but uh for fall musicals they definitely um have a little extra fun. But not nothing they never do anything too dangerous. They just make bad jokes. Yeah. You know, I found a good workaround for that. Mm-hmm. I just don't tell my students about that tradition. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's too well embedded with the seniors uh, telling the <laughs> telling the youngins that uh, I could see at a camp you could get away with that, but high school there's too much year on year to year traditions that uh, 
you can't uh, you can't just not tell them about or they can't they they figure it out on their own. <laughs> yeah. Probably um, didn't help oh, the first well. year I was there I told many a story of my own personal pranks that we played on people so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably didn't help the situation too much. Tell, tell us some of your uh, tell us some of your awesome um, I guess like theater stories from like back in the day or like Oh like gosh. I only did one musical. Yeah. I only did one musical in high school because I was, uh, as much as I was a theater geek, I was also a sporto because I, I was on the wrestling team in high school. But uh, the one year I did do oh, the you're musical. you're like that dude from Glee. You're like the, the quarterback from Glee. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Secretly, secretly you want to sing and dance, but like. Secretly, yes. But the if boys, the team finds out. If the team find out, yeah. So my last year, I finally did the musical, and um, uh, it uh, was a was anyway. It was called Babies Bless Them All, and the musical was about a bunch of babies just being born, sort of discovering who they were, and blah blah blah. <laughs> and they all. And uh, anyway, one point, uh, all the babies were supposed to sort of dive stave, stage left, and then uh, one of the the leads stood down stage and and sang his solo and it was all about the evils of the babysitter or something along those lines anyway when we dove off stage i actually ran off stage um threw on a red jacket ran outside we were in like a uh, uh a gymnasium with a stage at the end of it right. i ran out i ran off sta- uh, completely off stage ran all the way to the back of the uh, of the gymnasium came in through the back doors and at the point when he said something about the babysitter phoning for a pizza i had a pizza box and i yelled out baby's pizza and everybody turned towards me and i came and gave it to the teacher who had directed and then ran back up on stage <laughs> and then when the teacher when the teacher opened the box there was like a not a nude picture but a picture of a of a well tanned muscular gentleman for the my female teacher to enjoy uh taped inside the box uh, that was that was probably the most elaborate of the jokes that we pulled on that during that show and that wasn't even final night that was just one of the shows when me and a few of the guys had had pizza before the show and thought this would be funny and uh, pulled that one off could you imagine something like that happening today like can you imagine what the like the out the the outcry would be yeah, I don't know. Like, don't if one of my kids did that, like, if I'm watching the stage, um, and all of a sudden I know it, they're supposed to be in a group off left, and I see one's missing, and then two minutes later, partway through this guy, and the guy who the the guy who was doing the solo, he knew what was coming. Um, so he was fine, but nobody else. There was three of us guys that knew what was happening. The rest of the cast had no idea what was happening. And uh, so we did this, and then I ran back on stage. Uh, um, we, I did a spit take at one point, and then another girl had to dance right around where I did a spit take. That was completely unexpected, and, and she glared at me with the death stare because she had to dance through my spit water that was all over the stage. Uh, it was yeah, that was there was a couple uh, in that one show that we that we did. Uh, how about you, Aaron? What about you? Um, nothing ever really so serious that I did. Um, but I do remember yeah. at the end of a production of Midsummer Night's Dream that I directed. Um, I remember out in the Dell, yeah. Yeah, out 
at uh, like an outdoor production of it, and um, uh, Megan Stovall chasing Ron Scott around with a real sword. And <laughs> yeah, but what happened in the play? <laughs> well, no, play went, play went awesome. Like we hit so many hiccups at one point. Like our puck lost her voice at one point. Uh, an orange helicopter buzzed our uh, performance space, and I hear a low boom, 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 ch- as a marching band comes uh, behind the audience <laughs> and is practicing a marching front routine for a competition they were having at Mac University the next day. And I'm like, you've <laughs> got to be, you've got to be freaking joking, like. <laughs> And then seeing two of my actors run around with like sharpened swords was like the icing on the cake. But I, I don't think I ever did anything like pranky. Like, especially yeah. during the show. My one year performing in the Dell goes back a long, long way. Uh, guy, you might, you guys probably know Julian Nicholson. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was the Joker in Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he, he came back and uh, directed. A version of Agamemnon in the Dell for the Summer Arts Festival at Mac, and it was the craziest production I think I've ever been involved with. It was it was the original text, but we modernized various bits. Uh, do you remember or Aaron? Do you remember Tyson Bree? Yes. So Tyson Bree played Agamemnon, big, huge, big football player, 6'4", 250, like a big, like a, big guy, yeah, and like he drove guy. his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he was uh, he was our player, right, yeah. in RNG. Um, he, when Agamemnon makes his entrance, he drives in on a motorcycle along that path at the back of the Dell. And he's in full leathers and chaps from head to toe. Yeah. And Cassandra, in with the red hair, and the actress had red hair, uh, flowing out the back of. She's the she's the one in the motorcycle helmet, and then her reveal when she takes off the helmet. Yeah. But that's how he entered in. Um, so we were, I, me, uh, Ryan Stevens, and Andrew Andy Grote were the chorus of surfer dudes. And we said all our lines like, "Dude, you have spoken long and well, as would befit a prudent man." I still remember that one line I had, and uh, <laughs> and we gotta the, find Socrates. Exactly, it's under Socrates. <laughs> look under Socrates. Exactly. <laughs> so um, on the final night, so we were we were dressed in like the loudest neons because this was like 1995 or six, and. Um, we were in this, these loud neon colors, and we were the chorus of surfer dudes. So on the final night, we thought we were so hilarious. The chorus of surfer dudes wore togas in this modernized. <laughs> so we had we all brought in bed sheets, and we had like chains or something holding up our, around our waist. And and so on the final night, we thought it would just be hilarious in this modernized production of Agamemnon that we would be the only ones in togas, and we still acted like surfer dudes. So it's like we were a bunch of dudes at a toga party uh, <laughs> in this modernized version of Agamemnon, and we just thought we were the most hilarious trio that ever existed. But it was a great, it was a lot of fun show. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spears, how about you? Any shenanigans during production? Um, you know, I in high school, I got into drama quite late. 
Um, and the teacher that we had that like really um, that really created the program there, she put such a fear into us that we wouldn't like we wouldn't. Well, I shouldn't say like nobody did, but very few was the student that would like goof or joke, like even presenting in class to do it in front of an audience. Like she would probably have actually murdered us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's the sort of thing that I knew it was done, particularly when I started going to Sears and coming into contact with the way it was done at other schools. But um, it never really occurred to me to do it. Hmm. Um, until kind of later, um, and there's really only t- there's two instances that kind of stick out in my mind. There was this one, some play I did in Ottawa this one time, The Mind of Something Something. <laughs> I, I think uh, I know you're this m- one. You tell. Yeah, The Mind of Heinrich von Zubin, uh, which was a, it was a Fringe Festival play that was toured. Matt, Matt Moore directed. Um, I guess it was the second incarnation of a show that had been done at Mac. Because mm-hmm, there was another... Mm. Uh, same writer, same name, or whatever. Yeah, there was another production before that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And um, the, the chorus, so to speak, in, um, in this play is, a, um, is like sort of this young, bookish student who's in the library researching the events of the play. Um, and he's sort of... He's accosted by a young lady who's trying to distract him from his work. <laughs> um, and for the last show, we tried to create... Go above and beyond in creating physical evidence about the nature of that distraction. Yep. <laughs> um, but again, subtle didn't really upset the flow of the show. It was just a just a detail. Yeah. <laughs> a costuming just, detail, perhaps, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the more, more more of a makeup, really. Oh, okay. Um. But in any case, the I think the only time that I ever really like I changed a line or interrupted the flow of a show was not my fault. Um, <laughs> this was the this, actually this was the play that I met AJ uh, doing um, frequent uh, frequent guest host AJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were doing we were at McMaster and we were doing uh, Shakespeare's uh, Measure for Measure. Hmm. Uh, we were we weren't allowed to use the Dell anymore for reasons. Um, <laughs> so the um, our outdoor venue was the like the um, like in a quad of dorms, basically. It was kind of nice. It was like a square courtyard, and there was like a recessed sort of area for the stage and whatever. Um, you know, and for measure for measure, it was quite a comedy of errors. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so on the on the <laughs> on the second or third last show, um, the McMaster University is like adjacent to McMaster Hospital which is one of the few helicopter-accessible hospitals in the province. So we're outdoors. We're in the middle of, like, the, the closing monologue. Um, and the and a helicopter passes overhead. And for it felt like forever, but it can't have been longer than, like, two minutes. But Still two all, minutes on stage, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and all, all anyone hears is just like... Thup, 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 and we're kind of, we're hamming on stage. We're kind of like looking at our watches and like, you know, just not, <laughs> not quite sure what to do. <laughs> then, uh, as soon as it passed, I I dead penned out like, "Pardon, tis my ride," because <laughs> like I was playing the Duke and like it was the, I don't know. It seemed like you know it's like the squeaky door thing. You can't not acknowledge yeah. it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
it was on the audience's radar, so we had to. Yep. And I think that's okay. Like when when oh, the audience yeah, yeah, is aware yeah. of something, mm-hmm. like I. <laughs> and they appreciate you break the tension. They I usually, I find as an audience I appreciate it when uh, when a, a joke or something, an acknowledgement of a screaming baby or a something in the audience or a helicopter overhead. As an audience member, I appreciated when the uh, when an actor is able to to recognize it and then get back into the flow and and yeah. uh, I like that kind of stuff. Oh man, you know we should get um we should get our buddy like uh, Matt Moore on. He directed a production of Train Spotting oh. years ago. And um he he, tell, he has this great story about uh the um he had his the guy he had playing uh Bigby um was in the middle of a speech and somebody started talking on their cell phone in the front row. <laughs> and it uh, we should have him on and tell it because it, it's spectacular, just spectacular. The other thing my kids like to do is uh, a couple of years ago, four years ago now. Um, your kids like your students, not my like students, your, not 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 my not, not, your not my seven son. my seven month old hasn't figured this one out yet, <laughs> but <laughs> probably. Um, but uh, no, my students like they about four years ago. One of them made a poster of my head, of my face. Right. But when they what they did was they they printed it out and then they kind of taped like eight pieces of eight and a half by 11 together right. and then laminated it. But when they did it, they completely scrunched up my mouth and nose. So it's a, it's a horrible looking picture. Like it's just <laughs> terrible, terrible. I get it. Like I'm a, not, I'm not a good looking guy to start with, but you take this picture, it's really ugly. And uh, it has appeared now in about four straight fall musicals as well. Not necessarily closing nights. It just, it just appears in places. Um, so we had a, uh, we had a, sh- yeah, we did a 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee about four years ago. And, uh, there's a scene, um, where one of the characters talks to Jesus. And, uh, so what we had was we had, uh, the, the harness. We had Jesus was one of the chorus members. The show doesn't really have a chorus, but when you do it in a high school, you invent a chorus. Right. So we had the, the rigging for the fly system. Uh, fall like slowly slip in during the scene so i thought it'd be funny to put like a smiley face on it uh, as it dropped down or a uh i put a sign on it one one night that just said nothing to see here as it dropped down uh just little funny bits and then my attention to the man behind the curtain (laughs) that kind of a joke and then on the last night um they they had my face as the coming down out of the out of the out of the uh, the uh, the grid uh, it was my face coming down instead of one of what I thought was very funny jokes. Um, they had my face, and since then that poster has appeared in somewhere in all of the shows that have been done at my high school. So That's funny, I think man. I think I've rooted that picture out. I wish just wish they had a better picture. I don't mind <laughs> that they use my head in one to tell their jokes and to do their things, but I just wish it was a better picture. Just get a professional. Man, when you work with kids for that long, you can really like put your stamp on it, kind of you in can. that way. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I and I, I, I choose to take it as an homage, or that they like me. But uh, the oh, certainly, just, <laughs> there's no question. No the picture is just so terrible. They wouldn't go to the trouble otherwise. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I they they do. No, they're good kids. Hopefully, and I know none of them listen to this, so I can say that here. <laughs> <laughs> Would it freak you out if some of them were? Would it? 
I don't know. Because <laughs> I always wonder about that. It's like, do the kids listen? Do they even know? No, they've, they've got more important things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, pod, a podcast that says with kids, a parenting podcast, they're, they're not going to stop and listen Checked to that one. So. <laughs> I, I Mission accomplished. <laughs> one lucrative demographic alienated. <laughs> uh, so moving, moving right along, um, one, one of the topics that we were bouncing uh, loosely around, I don't uh, know if you guys were discussing it at any point or just the idea of fall previews coming up and premieres coming up uh, on, Ooh, on the subject of uh, of alienating demographics <laughs> was that too much of a tangent television <laughs> <laughs> not at all not at all we are a conversational podcast it is our speciality nice. I try I oh I try I try so hard um but anyway, has there any, been anything on the radar that kind of like caught your eye for fun TV shows, new TV shows, returning TV shows that you're looking forward to this time around? Let's go uh, I know you guys aren't big fans. At least I don't think any of neither of you are watching. But I, I've been a big fan of Gotham, and uh, I I'm looking forward to because I think they've been doing some really funky, funky stuff with the Joker character in terms of an origin story, and I'm really curious to see where they take that in the coming oh, they, season. Oh, uh, the Jerome or whatever. Well, they've done different things, which has been really freaky. They had sort of a in. Like episode three of the very fir- of the first season, um, they they had a guy in one of the clubs doing stand up comedy, and then they waited like ten episodes before he sort of joined the crew, and then a few more episodes before he really went cuckoo for cocoa puffs and had the makeup and went on a beautiful rant. But then in one of these um, sort of supervillain uh, forcing everyone who's watching TV to watch this broadcast kind of thing, um, that character is killed. So he's not the Joker, so to speak, but his monologue, his his mannerisms, his makeup has now inspired copycats. So instead of there being sort of a classic Joker character with a, distinct, with a, dis, a distinguishable mm-hmm. backstory, you now have this series, every few episodes, sort of a new Joker-esque character appears. Hmm causing mayhem and trouble for Jim Gordon uh, to the point where in one of the final episodes, um, I don't know if you guys watch Orange is the New Black. Yeah, Yeah, did. Yeah, did. So this uh, recent season, the older lady who was quite cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and I've used that reference twice, I can't do it again, um, who was quite quite crazy in the uh, first episode, she kills the guy who was trying to kill Laura Prepon. Do we know which actress I'm talking about? I can't remember her name oh, off the top uh, of my head. Petty. What's the, is the character um, Crazy Eyes? Not Crazy oh, Eyes. Uh, Sorry, say Lord that again? Petty. Yeah, I think that's it. Yep. Yeah, yes. Yes, her, Lori Petty. Yep. They have her in kind of a, a Joker makeup, um, being all crime bossy and uh, in a couple of episodes. And she's excellent, and she plays the part so beautiful. It's just really well done. So this whole inspiring of other Joker-esque characters, I think, is a really cool storyline and a really way That's to really separate cool. themselves. Totally um, see that character, like, the actress playing that role. Sorry, go. Yeah, I could totally see her playing that part. That, yeah. That. 
So yeah. there's some interesting storylines uh, going on with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. They've dovetailed they've do- dovetailed that into the um, into the comics in Rebirth. Oh, um, okay. there's three Jokers. Okay, in Batman, and they're they're kind of doing it as a way of squaring all of his different depictions. Hmm. Like okay. one is the sort of the Heath Ledger esque um, kind of total psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is more like a Caesar Romero, like kind of like the elaborate traps and the Bugs Bunny stuff. Um, Deadpool in grease paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one that's kind of in the middle, like one that's more of a gangster. I guess kind of like a Jack Nicholson right. uh, kind of one. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I wonder what came first. Like, I wonder if it was the Gotham showrunners who originated that idea or, um, or Zack Snyder or somebody else in the, uh, comics writing it. And, or if somebody thought it up in corporate and was like, all right, guys, here's your marching papers. I'm Make up. them like it. I'm posting to Facebook right now a picture of her in the makeup, so to speak. And uh, it's really, it's kind of a cross between like a Harley Quinn kind of, but she's older, obviously. She's a, she's not a young mm-hmm. actress. Um, uh, and it just says Lori Petty from Gotham. And there's a picture there so you can kind of get a sense of what she looks like. If you're on Facebook or maybe you can put it in the notes uh, after the pod is done. <clears throat> work, work, work. <laughs> uh, Spears, anything that you're looking forward to uh, in terms of season premieres, return shows, uh, awesome show, new show, anything. anything? Well, I don't have cable. <laughs> um, and I don't have time to watch anything. But, um, you know, I am kind of, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, by their upcoming season, um, set to feature Ghost Rider quite heavily. We talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit uh, last week, kind of a lot last week. But uh, this week they had like a found footage, like this um this cell phone, this found cell phone video. Um, and it, it's it's cool. Like you see the car kind of moving and in action. You, I was I was hoping for more of like a um, like a paranormal um. Uh, what's it like that movie? Uh, paranormal activity. Paranormal activity. Yeah, like a paranormal activity kind of thing. Yep. Found footage. Blair Witch kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. but um, but instead it was just kind of like more of a straight. Like I wonder if the, years and years ago when Mark Millar was before he released the first issue of a little comic called um, Kick Ass, mm. which yeah. can we say? I don't know. Acceptable. Anyway, um, so before he released the first issue of Kick-Ass, he released, like, on, on a MySpace page, which tells you how old this is. Um, but he released, like, security security camera footage and, like, found video of some dude dressed as the title character beating <laughs> dudes up with, like, a hockey stick or whatever, right. like, behind a convenience store. That's, that's exactly it, what's in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they do use it in the movie, actually, in the first movie. Yeah, that's pretty much how the the, the kick-ass phenomenon starts, is from yeah, something just like that. Yeah, so I, I feel like this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing is kind of the same, a mm. similar idea. Yeah, but you know? did it work? Um, but I, like, I don't know, I mean, I can see from it that they have a good car. 
<laughs> but that's about it. Like until you know, I'm deeply curious yeah. to see the creature. You know what I mean? Like even if they'd done like mm. a shot from the back, you know, or like it was a dude in a car with what looked like Snapchat flames. You know, like. <laughs> like, like yeah, I can produce that. You know if. If they, you know what they should have done is they they should have just taken the cold open from the first episode of Stranger Things, like yes. with the dude running down the halls, and just in, like he hits he's hitting the elevator button, hitting the elevator button, and then as the elevator comes down, you can see like the crackle of like the glow of flame yeah. from inside it, right, and then as it opens, you see like that halo of that, you know what should be a warm and comforting light kind of like spreading outwards. And you just hold the reaction shot. <laughs> and then, you know, if you were doing this on Netflix, you'd get, like, a splatter, and maybe you'd see some chain. But we're, we're not doing no. this on Netflix, are we? Which they should. <laughs> they should have. But either way. I, like, if any... It's weird, but I thought, like, the, the Midnight Sun characters, like Ghost Rider and Morbius and those guys, they would be more suited to a Netflix show. You know, like, uh, Power Man... Uh, I don't know. Power Man post Bendis, I guess you kind of need that more mature content. Mm. But Iron Fist? Like, Iron Fist, you could have done on ABC. Yeah, that could have been just mm. like a. Yeah. You know, I would have preferred to see Ghost Rider as sort of more. In, mm. in the vein mm -hmm. of, like, the Blade movies. Yeah, because you're mm. definitely going to go. Not so much the Nicolas Cage movies, but de <laughs> definitely, like. <the> little, <laughs> but something a little bit more dark, something a little bit more adult, for I don't sure. Know, it's got. Like, um, especially seeing what they've done with, like. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. It'll be interesting to see what how far they're going to go with Luke Cage, kind of uh, with that in terms of the adult content, mm. in terms of like almost like that, like not a hard R, but definitely uh, you wouldn't let your necessarily your preteen children watch this TV show kind of idea. But yeah, Ghost Rider definitely does have more of that morbid, almost almost spawn kind of feel to it yeah well it was the 90s <laughs> but uh definitely that'll be interesting like, yeah spawn is mm. like spawn was certainly influenced by ghost rider like the presence yeah. of chains like short shortly before he left to do spawn todd mcfarlane did like a two-issue story in his marquee uh, spider-man title where hobgoblin and ghost rider fight and there's a little boy caught in the middle, and Spider-Man's constantly trying to protect the little boy from these two literally flaming lunatics right. who are trying to murder each other. Um, and you can, see, like, in that book, you can see where Spawn's mm. costume comes from. Mm. You know, you've got the chains from Ghost Rider, you've got the, the Spidey chain. suit from Spider-Man, yeah. yeah, from the Hobgoblin. <laughs> it's almost mm. like he just, like, looked at his pages under, like, a bright light or something, and was like, oh... <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I'll go be a millionaire now. <laughs> I'll buy some baseballs. <laughs> I don't have to go to the stadium to catch them. I shall just buy them. Yeah, big fat cash of George Lucas bucks I'm sitting on right now. Let's go spend them. No, Aaron, how about you? What about uh, TV shows that you're looking forward to? Like, I'm kind of intrigued to see where Lethal Weapon is going to go, and how bad it'll actually be. Damon Wayans is taking. Like the uh, the lead, like the uh, the old retired, like almost retired cop, and then they got the young guy coming in. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of like 
plays out and uh, the new MacGyver. But I did not know that there's an Exorcist TV show coming out. And I'm, I haven't read anything up about it, but I kind of want to see that. And um, uh, I like that there's kind of like a bit of like a horror leap forward with some shows. There's a Van Helsing show coming out. But um, I think I'm most excited for Ash vs. Evil Dead uh, season two. I think that's going to be the one that I'm the most tickled for. Oh, and Westworld as well to see like mm-hmm. how they're going to Westworld looks amazing. I don't know anything about the previous uh the previous uh literature if it's based on a book or a comic series or what it's based on. I don't know anything about it other than the previews I've seen on the movie network, but it yeah, looks incredible. Um, I can't I'm wait for that. Pretty sure that it was a series of novels back in the day and then they did a movie adaptation years ago where Yul Brenner was the antagonist uh, in the movie. I'm trying to remember some of the other big names that were in there. Hmm. Uh, but I've always had a soft spot for like a good Western every once in a while. Like I won't go out of my way to catch one, but yeah, it looks... This looks like a Western meets uh, oh, that goofy series that came out last year, the the secret society behind it oh, was running the whole thing. No, not Limitless, no. No, they tried a season two, apparently, but I, I didn't watch season two. Um, uh, it had uh, Dylan, Matt Dylan. No, I must have missed that one. People got into car people got into car accidents, and then they ended up in this in this fictional little oh. uh, Pleasantville, perfect little town. And it turned out there was a that the world had end had almost yes. ended. Wayward Pines. Anybody check that out last year? No. Okay. Oh, that sounds messed up. It was. It it had a really cool start to it and a really bad finish. So it started really like there was a cool little mystery, very twin peak, mm-hmm. twin pixie kind of mystery to the whole thing. And then once the once the veil was lifted, it was kind of dumb from there on in. But uh, it, it had a very cool twin peaksy right. uh, vibe to the start of the series. And that's and I know in in westward westworld doesn't feel twin peak twin peaksy at all but it uh definitely oh my gosh you've seen westworld as a simpsons fan yeah, you've seen that, it it was that episode where they hear what wikipedia like... says westworld is a 1973 sci-fi uh western thriller written and directed by novelist michael crichton oh my in 73 uh, yep about amusement park robots that malfunction yeah, and begin killing to... visitors. <laughs> yes, we have seen it. Possibly yeah. go wrong. Oh, except that. <laughs> Yul Brenner is an android in a futuristic Western-themed amusement park. Um, Richard Benjamin and James Brolin were guests of the park. Hmm. Oh yeah, I, I directed by Michael Crichton. The movie. Nom- yeah, nominated for a Hugo, Nebula, and Golden nice. Scroll, also known as the Saturn Awards, um, and was followed by a sequel film, Future World, with a short-lived TV series, Beyond Westworld. Hmm. Apparently, just flipping through odd little bits of trivia, John Carpenter based the indestructible nature of Michael Myers from the Halloween series based on Yul <laughs> Brenner's character from this film. So you could almost trace back the uh, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, uh, uh, Jason Voorhees 
style of slasher could possibly all be traced back to the Yul Brenner gunslinger character mm-hmm. from 1973 Westworld. That all being said, this series Perfect. doesn't look anything like what I'm reading here, and um, and uh, it looks yeah. it looks uh, really really um, quite freaky. Yeah. Wow. A dark odyssey about the dawn of artificial consciousness and the future of sin. <laughs> um, according to Hollywood Reporter. No, wait, that, that, that's Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> this is Battlestar Galactica at a theme park. <laughs> this is the zombie land of Battlestar Galactica. There you oh, go. I'm in. I'm in. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> nice. It's going to man, get oh man, though, it's sci-fi. Gonna... And I feel like as a sci-fi western, it's as close to a season two of Firefly as we're ever going to get. <laughs> no, you know what is actually pretty close to Firefly right now. Sarah and I have been watching it. Uh, Canadian sci-fi TV show called Killjoys. The first season was pretty good, but the second mm. season is hitting like all that beats that Firefly was. It's starting to really feel like the like the frontier western in space, and it's basically about three bounty hunters that uh, basically go around from like planet to planet looking for like looking to fulfill their contracts, and they get wrapped up in something bigger, run by this organization called the Company. And it's actually really fun. There's, is it Waylon Utani? It feels like it at <laughs> some points, because <laughs> like now in the second season they're starting to um, get into this big uh, mystery as to why certain people are endowed with superhuman uh, superhuman traits, like they can get shot and stabbed and almost blown up and still survive it, and has to do with aliens perhaps they're nigh they're nigh invulnerable nigh invulnerable yeah they should get paul riser to play the company man (laughs) speaking of nigh invulnerable apparently there's a new live action tick on the horizon yes i've seen some pictures like it's on amazon uh i I was i loved 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 the cartoon like i that cartoon uh came out about the time i was in Second, third year university for me. Uh, early, God, nine, early mid nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, it. I remember two D acting class a couple years before Aaron would take it. Yep. Um, with guys like Tyson Bree and and Andy Grote and a few others and uh, uh, Steve Hill and oh. rehearsal for whatever we were working on for class would have to wait fifteen minutes. Because twenty minutes because we would have to recount all the great lines from the Tick cartoon because it was so so good and it's just I love so everything that's tried to recapture that magic has failed miserably the live action of series of the late 90s was terrible Uh, they tried to change all the names and things like that Deflider Mouse was now Batman well and terrible things and and it was just a terrible terrible version so uh, someday I will download uh, this Amazon and see if it captures any of the magic. And I uh, probably should read the comic book where, from what it's all based you from. Definitely but, should. Um, it was but, Ben, uh, uh, ben, ben Edlund, Edlund, I think. Yeah, he goes on but, to work with like to work with Joss Whedon and doing like script oh. doctoring. And he was involved in. He wrote a bit for Firefly. Okay. Um, and he was there was a show on Fox that Joss 
did shortly, like immediately after Firefly, called Drive. Yes. Okay. Oh, I remember um, that and show. It was, yeah, it was really good, and I it got canned after like four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. yeah, it was. Joss was involved peripherally. I think it was one of his. It was Tim Minar, I think, who was the sort of the lead on that. But it, it but it, like having um, having Nathan Fillion as the lead, mm-hmm. like it definitely mm-hmm. felt like it was connected to Firefly in some yeah. way. It was, basically, it was basically like, um, what was it, Smokey and the Bandit uh, meet Great American Road Race. I was going to say Cannonball Run. <laughs> yeah, Cannonball Run, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, if, uh, that was a, yeah, it had promise. And it was, again, just like a, it was interesting because it had good characters that would flash back to their origin story a little bit at a time. And it was mm. all about, like, just... A lot like Lost in that respect, very, now that I think of it. Yeah. Like very much so. Like we put you into the action, but then we cut back to see where these people came from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I. But the, the same thing happened. That happened to Firefly. They stuck it in a lousy time slot, and it was constantly preempted for sports, and it mm. never, <laughs> it never went anywhere. Sports, Ironic sports, for a show sports, called yeah, Drive. Sports, yeah. <laughs> Check out it's called Killjoys. If you liked Firefly, it's good. It got renewed for a third season, and it's Canadian. I'm sure Orphan Black isn't going to premiere until the fall, but or until the spring. But I'm looking forward to that too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it's a good. Show. I read something kind of funny actually on the uh, on I think AV Club about that. Um, they did a retrospective on uh, Captain Power. Um, I don't know if you guys saw or knew. Eric, man, Eric would have my back on this. <laughs> but like uh, Captain Power was this sort of like this messed up like a live action show for kids that was set in like a Terminator esque future where the machines oh. had won. Oh yeah, Captain and only Power. this like yeah, yeah, plucky yeah, yeah. band. Yeah. Was there something interactive about yes. that one? Yeah, there were like it used. It was one of the first shows to use CG characters composited into shots with uh, live actors. On the CG characters, they would have like a flashing colored panel, and that flashing panel would interact with like a, a, a toy ship, or, like yes, a toy okay. gun that you would buy, and you'd fire at the screen, and you keep score to see how many times. And you were only supposed to shoot at um, shoot at one side or the other, depending on which mm-hmm. jet you had. Okay. Um, like, if you had the bad guy jet, you were supposed to shoot at the good guys, and when their armor was on, it had flashing panels on it, too. It was enormously distracting, and the whole thing was the marriage of um, a TV producer copywriting the name Captain Power on the basis of, I can't believe nobody's done that yet. <laughs> um, and taking it to, like, Mattel or whatever, Mattel being like, oh, we've got this thing we're testing with a toy that'll react to flashing panels on video. Here you go. <laughs> So he hands it to um, Larry DeTillo, who worked a lot on He-Man with his buddy Joe mm. Michael Straczynski, who would go on to do Babylon 5, another show that pushed a lot of CG um, in yeah. composited shots. Now that you, you mention it, I see that in that show a little bit. Yeah, like the AV, the AV Club article just reminded me of how, how dark and like unremittingly mature the show was, given its target audience. Which is maybe part of why it failed. Yeah. Like, characters mm. died. Like, I remember a character dying in that Yeah, show. oh, there was a proposed second season where Captain Power was supposed to go into, like, a tailspin of, like, grief after one of the, like, one, one of, of the, the regular... soldiers of the future, uh, Pilot, um, dies in the in the last episode. It was like a, um, wow. like a last stand. Um, and it's like, thing. all... Apologies yeah, if all... you said this already. When did this premiere? When did when was this season off? This was, um... Say late 80s. This was early 90s. 
This was uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, oh, you know what? It's on the AV Club. I'm sure people can find it, and it's just a thing away. <laughs> but um, anyway, where this comes back to Toronto, where Fan Expo was happening today, is that most of the live-action segments were shot in Toronto in an abandoned TTC bus lot. And that kind of started the... It was sort of an out like one of the first sci-fi shows to shoot in Toronto, and the first in a long line uh, to do so, including the upcoming Star Trek yes. show, Star Trek Discovery, which Discovery. the abbreviation for that is hysterical. <laughs> How did they not see that? How did they not see? That? Oh, that's terrible. I don't know, but I was taking notes about the uh, like what to tag last week's show, and man. <laughs> That's that's when I I saw the truth before me. <laughs> I've got a thing here. It says Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future was ninety nine through two thousand two. No, that might have that is not possible. That might have been re released. It was a live action um, version. Yeah, Wikipedia. It, um, it was it was live action. The show it was a live this action is, show. Yeah, this is what it's saying. The episodes were aired. Yeah. Oh, okay. They may have they may have re. Um, re-aired them uh, on one of like the kid networks or something in the u.s uh, oh yeah wikipedia like a retro or 87 something. to 88 so ran for 22 episodes canadian american syndication which explains why it was would have been like on ytv or whatever which is where i would have seen it in uh, reruns mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, i never i never had i ne- um i never had the um the gun to go with it so i wouldn't watch it that mm. much but then, like, years later, years after it had gone off the air, like, I must have been, like, I must have been in grade seven or eight, and we went to, like, a liquidation store in Buffalo, <laughs> and I, I found, like, one of the bad guy, like, jets, and it came with, like, a little figure and the, um, um, you know, the jet, and it came with something called, like, a training video. Huh. Um, and it was, it was actually really clever. Like you put the training video in and it's not an episode of the show and it's not even like a clip show. (laughs) It was like, it was a recorded intro with Captain Power and he's saying like, you're a soldier of the future now and you have to go through this training video simulation. (laughs) Right. And the video itself was animated, Mm. but it was like, it, it looked like the, uh, the Transformers movie. Like it was very fluid anime inspired. And it really, like, I don't know, man, it created an aesthetic for the show that if the show had been able to pull off, probably would have been more successful. Mm-hmm. I was a bit too old for this when it came out. Because <laughs> I would have been 14, 15, because I'm, cause I'm really yeah. old. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely a weird artifact of its time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do remember... Like I said, like I jumped in, I do remember there being that interactive component and toys that you had to have at home in order to play along with. Man, could you imagine that now, like in the era of Pokemon Go? Like, they they could totally, like, superimpose, like, evil robots on buildings and stuff, and you could, like, Captain Power, the... the, You could shoot him or whatever. Right. Right. Have Have you seen some of these... Have you seen some of these augmented reality like card games now where you point your phone at like a blank table, you put like a, it's almost like a magic card down and a 3D character model pops off the card 
and then you can put another one next to it, and the two will like battle, kind of like a, uh, kind of like like a battle, like a classic battle, like Hollow Chest from Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah, like very much so. Like we're that close now to like that. We're living in the future we were promised. (laughs) All I need is my flying car, and we're good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do for the flying car, Marty? What would I do to get one? Have you never seen that? Oh, you've never oh, seen that. Sorry. I talked about. I think we talked about it last week. But uh, Kevin yep. Smith did a did a Clerks short for Saturday Night Live where Dante oh. and Randall talk about what they would do for the flying car. Oh, okay, <laughs> missed that. Yeah, go go. It, they. Uh, I think they put it up on YouTube. It it is. It's worth your time. Okay, we'll look. <laughs> I'm looking forward to. I know this is non geek related. I'm looking forward to Survivor. Yes. I've been a loyal, loyal. I've been a loyal, loyal survivor from episode one, season one, twenty uh, ten, uh, ten, fifteen years ago, whatever, however long it is now. And uh, yeah. and uh, Gen X versus millennials I intrigues me. Wait. Sarah and I had to like figure that out the other day. We we're like, are we Gen Xers? Are we? I, th- I, I am. I think you're you're on the cusp. I think I am. I think you're on the cusp. And yeah. I don't know what spoof is, but yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Copeland I'm puts me in the generation the Y. Co- yeah. Um, yeah, on the Copeland scale, I'm between Generation X and Millennials. Yeah. I think there's a so, you know. bigger gap between them. I don't know. I think Gen X, I don't know. Well, who knows? If you, if you looked it up, then I believe you. But, uh, uh, you know, what? It's a, it's a term that gets bandied around so much, and really, I'm enough. not sure what value there is in, like, grouping people by the year they happen to be born. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, like, I, hear, I see this a lot on Facebook, like, actually, when people, like, go after boomers. Like, oh, you had it so easy. Like, you could stumble backwards out of high school into, a, like, a CEO job. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, there's a lot of people in my parents' generation who, are, who you know, struggled and are still struggling. And They all, you know had, to mean? Walk, it all... They all had to walk uphill five miles to school every day in snow. I mean, this wasn't easy for the boomers. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, the... <laughs> I feel like things. I feel like things were different, but like I feel like it. You know, I'm probably in every time there's sort of like winners and losers in the job market. Yes, I've I've just see, I've seen boomers defend themselves sort of aptly. Like, yeah, I was in that generation, but you know, I doesn't mean I'm like super loaded, and I, I didn't them. buy a house at 22 or. You know, so I don't know. I think like when you see those memes of like that that Kelso looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this dude who looks like Kelso from that 70s show, yeah. and it and. It's like, kids today have it so easy. Paid off his mortgage at 25. <laughs> That's not telling the whole story, necessarily. Gosh, really. No, it isn't. It's funny, but it's not telling the whole story. No. Because most of those boomers went through the 80s with 14% per, uh, uh, interest on their mortgage, oh. and I don't think a lot of them paid it off that early. Yeah, no kidding. That's the one thing that scares me so much is my mortgage now. Like, I was, like, thinking about it the other day. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be paying this thing off into my 60s. Eh, hey, man. <laughs> you know what? If you've got four walls and a roof, you're doing better than half the planet. Yeah, true. Yeah, a lot more than half the planet. True story. Tomorrow will figure itself out, just like Audacity. That's it right. will all come together. It will all come together. <laughs> How will it? It will all come together like a nice, well-oiled machine hopefully there you go <laughs> oh my gosh i totally forgot to do a call of action call to action at the end of uh, last week's episode we just kind of ended it we didn't ask the listeners to do anything or opine about 
anything in particular. <laughs> so let's, should we do a call to action right now? Let's do it. I believe we must. All right. So did you guys do any fun pranks and participate in any fun shenanigans while in community theater? Are there any shows you're looking forward to? Are there any shows that you should just avoid? Let us know. www.geekswithkids.ca You can uh, connect to Twitter. You can connect to Facebook. You can send us some emails. And don't forget about the iTunes. Go to iTunes. Give us some uh, Give us some stars. Lots of stars. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> this is... I think, is this the part where we say our names and sign off? I think so. <laughs> it's been a while for me. I forget what we do. But anyway, so on that note, good evening. This has been Aaron. Spears. And this has been Marty. And we're going to see you again next week. So have a good night. Majram, everybody. everybody. <laughs> Majram. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.